Chapter 45 of Hands of Iceland by Victor Hugo. Translated by Abby Langdon Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Chapter 45 I will give two thousand crowns to any man who shall deliver over to me Luis Perez, dead or alive. Calderon, Luis Perez of Galicia. Baron Votoon, Colonel of the Munkholm Musketeers. Which of the men who fought under your command at Black Pillar Pass took hands of Iceland prisoner? Name him to the court, that he may receive the thousand crowns reward offered for the capture. The president of the court thus addressed the colonel of musketeers. The court was in session, for according to old Norwegian custom, a court from whose sentence there is no appeal cannot adjourn until the sentence has been carried out. Before the judges stood the giant, who had just been led in again, with the rope round his neck from which he was soon to hang. The colonel, seated at the table with the private secretary, rose, and bowed to the court and to the bishop, who had reascended his throne. My lord judges, the soldier who captured Hans of Iceland is present. His name is Torik Belfast, second musketeer of my regiment. Let him stand forth, replied the president and receive the promised reward. A young soldier in the Munkholm uniform stepped forward. You are Torik Belfast? asked the president. Yes, your worship. It was you who took hands of Iceland prisoner. Yes, by the aid of St. Beelzebub, I did, please your worship. A heavy bag of money was placed before the bench. Do you recognize this man? as the famous hands of Iceland, added the president, pointing to the fettered giant. I am better acquainted with my kitty's pretty face than with that of Hans of Iceland, but I declare, by the halo of St. Belphegor, that if Hans of Iceland be anywhere, it is in the shape of that big devil. Advance, Torik Belfast, said the president. Here are the thousand crowns offered by the Lord Mayor. The soldier hurried toward the bench when a voice rose from the crowd. Monkal Musketeer, you never captured hands of Iceland. By all the blessed devils, cried the soldier, turning around. I own nothing but my pipe and the moment of time in which I speak, but still I promise to give ten thousand gold crowns to the man who says that, if he can prove his words and folding his arms, he cast an assured glance over the audience. Well, let the man who spoke show himself. It is I, said a small man, elbowing his way through the crowd. The newcomer was wrapped in sealskin, like a Greenlander, his outlandish garb hanging stiffly about him. His beard was black, and thick hair of the same color, falling over his red eyebrows, concealed a hideous face. Neither his hands nor his arms were visible. <laughs> oh, it is you, is it? said the soldier with a loud laugh. And who then do you say it was, my fine gentleman, that had the honor of capturing that infernal giant? The little man shook his head and said with a malicious smile, It was I. At this instant, Baron Votoon fancied that he recognized the mysterious being who had warned him at Skongen of the arrival of the rebels. Chancellor Dahlefeld thought he recognized his host at Arbor Ruin, and the private secretary, a certain peasant from Olmo, 
who wore a similar dress and who had pointed out the lair of hans of iceland but the three being separated they could not impart to one another this fleeting impression which the differences of feature and costume afterward observed must have soon dissipated indeed it was you was it ironically observed the soldier if it were not for your greenland seal's costume by the look which you cast at me i should be tempted to take you for another ridiculous dwarf who tried to pick a quarrel with me at the Spladgest a fortnight or so ago it was the very day that they brought in the body of jill studd the miner jill studd broke in the little man with a shudder yes jill studd repeated the soldier with an air of indifference the rejected lover of a girl who was sweetheart to a comrade of mine and for whose sake he died like the fool that he was the little man said in hollow tones was there not also the body of an officer of your regiment at the splatchest exactly i shall remember that day as long as i live i forgot that it was the hour for the tattoo and i was arrested when i got back to the fort that officer was captain dispolson at this name the private secretary rose these two fellows abuse the patience of the court we beg the president to cut short this idle chatter by my kitty's good name i ask nothing better said Torric belfast provided your worships will give me the thousand crowns offered for the head of hans for it was i who took him prisoner you lie cried the little man the soldier clapped his hand to his sword it is very lucky for you you rascal that we are in the presence of the court where a soldier even a munkholm musketeer must never resort to force the reward coldly observed the little man belongs to me for if it were not for me <laughs> you would never have won hans of iceland's head the indignant soldier swore that it was he who captured hans of iceland when wounded on the field of battle he was just beginning to revive well said his opponent you may have captured him but it was i who struck him down if it had not been for me you could never have taken him prisoner therefore the thousand crowns are mine it is false replied the soldier it was not you who struck him down it was an evil spirit clad in the skins of wild beasts it was i no no the president ordered both parties to be silent then again asking colonel votone whether it was really toric belfast who brought hans of iceland into camp a prisoner at his assent he declared that the prize belonged to the soldier the small man gnashed his teeth and the musketeer greedily stretched out his hands for the sack one moment cried the little man mr president that money according to the lord mayor's proclamation was to be given to him who took hands of iceland well said the judge the little man turned to the giant that man is not hands of iceland a murmur of surprise ran through the room the president and private secretary moved uneasily in their chairs now emphatically reiterated the small man 
The money does not belong to the cursed musketeer of Munkholm. For that man is not Hans of Iceland. Halberdiers, said the president, remove this madman. He has lost his senses. The bishop interposed. Will you allow me, most worthy president, to remark that you may, by refusing to hear this man, destroy the prisoner's last chance? I demand that he be confronted with the stranger. Reverend Bishop, the court will grant your request, replied the president, and addressing the giant, you have declared yourself to be Hans of Iceland. Do you persist in that statement? The prisoner answered, I do. I am Hans of Iceland. You hear, Bishop. The little man shouted in the same breath with the president. You lie, mountaineer of Kjellan. You lie. Do not persist in bearing a name which must crush you. Remember that it has been fatal to you already. I am Hans from Klipstadur in Iceland, repeated the giant, his eye riveted on the private secretary. The small man approached the Munkholm soldier, who, like the rest of the audience, had watched this scene with eager curiosity. Mountaineer of Kjölen, he cried, they say that Hans of Iceland drinks human blood. If you be he, drink. <laughs> Here it is. And scarcely were the words out of his mouth when, tossing his sealskin mantle over his shoulder, he plunged a dagger into the soldier's heart and flung his dead body at the giant's feet. A cry of fright and horror followed. The soldiers guarding the giant started back. The small man, swift as lightning, rushed upon the defenseless mountaineer and, with another blow of his dagger, laid him upon the first corpse. Then, flinging off his cloak, his false hair, and black beard, he revealed his wiry limbs, hideously attired in the skins of wild beasts, and a face which inspired the beholders with even greater horror than did the bloody dagger which he brandished aloft, reeking with a double murder. Ha! <laughs> Judges! Where is Hans of Iceland now? Guards! Seize that monster, cried the startled judge. Hans hurled his dagger into the center of the room. It is useless to me if there are no more Munkholm soldiers here. With these words he yielded unresistingly to the halberdiers and bowmen who surrounded him, prepared to lay siege to him as to a city. They chained the monster to the prisoner's bench, and the litter bore away his victims, one of whom, the mountaineer, still breathed. It is impossible to describe the various emotions of terror, astonishment and indignation which, during this fearful scene, agitated the people, the guards and the judges. When the brigand had taken his place, calm and unmoved upon the fatal bench, a feeling of curiosity overcame every other impression, and breathless attention restored quiet. The venerable bishop rose. My lord judges! The bandit interrupted him. Bishop of Trondheim, I am Hans of Iceland. <laughs> a 
Do not take the trouble to plead for me. The private secretary rose. Noble president. The monster cut him short. Private secretary, I am Hans of Iceland. Do not take the pains to accuse me. Then, his feet in a pool of blood, he ran his bold, fierce eye over the court, the bowmen and the crowd, and it seemed as if each of them trembled with fear at the glance of that one man, unarmed, chained and alone. Listen, judges, expect no long speeches from me. I am the demon of Klipstadur. My mother was old Iceland, the land of volcanoes. Once that land was but one huge mountain. It was crushed by the hand of a giant who fell from heaven and rested on its highest peak. I need not speak of myself. I am the descendant of Ingolf the Destroyer, and I bear his spirit within me. I have committed more murders and kindled more fires than all of you put together ever uttered unjust sentences in your lives. I have secrets in common with Chancellor Dahlefeld. I could drink every drop of blood that flows in your veins with delight. <laughs> it is my nature to hate mankind, my mission to harm them. Colonel of the Munkholm Musketeers, it was I who warned you of the march of the miners through Black Pillar Pass, sure that you would kill numbers of men in those gorges. It was I who destroyed a whole battalion of your regiment by hurling granite boulders upon their heads. I did it to avenge my son. Now, judges, my son is dead. I came here in search of death. The soul of Ingolf oppresses me because I must bear it alone and can never transmit it to an heir. I am tired of life since it can no longer be an example and a lesson to a successor. I have drunk enough blood. My thirst is quenched. Now, here I am. You may drink mine. He was silent, and every voice repeated his awful words. The bishop said, My son, what was your object in committing so many crimes? The brigand laughed. <laughs> in faith, I swear, reverend bishop, it was not like your brother, the Bishop of Borglum, with a view to enrich myself. There was something in me which drove me to it. God does not always dwell in his ministers, meekly replied the saintly old man. You would insult me, but I only wish I could defend you. Your reverence wastes his breath. Go! Ask your other brother, the Bishop of Skalhold in Iceland, to defend me. <laughs> By Ingolf, 
It is a strange thing that two bishops should protect me, one in my cradle, the other at my tomb. Bishop, you are an old fool. My son, do you believe in God? <sighs> Why not? There must be a God for us to blaspheme. Cease, unhappy man. You are about to die, and you will not kiss the feet of Christ. Hans of Iceland shrugged his shoulders. If I did so, it would be after the fashion of the constable of Rol, who pulled the king over as he kissed his foot. The bishop seated himself, deeply moved. Come, judges, continued Hans of Iceland. Why this delay? If I were in your place and you in mine. I would not keep you waiting so long for your death sentence. The court withdrew. After a brief deliberation, they returned, and the president read aloud the sentence, which declared that Hans of Iceland was to be hung by the neck until he was dead, dead, dead. <laughs> That's good, said the brigand. Chancellor Dahlefeld, I know enough about you to obtain a like sentence for you. <laughs> but live, since you do naught but injure men. Oh, I am sure now that I shall not go to Nistheim. The private secretary ordered the guards who led him away to place him in the Lion of Schleswig Tower, until a dungeon could be prepared for him in the quarters of the Munkholm Regiment, where he might await his execution. In the quarters of the Munkholm Musketeers, repeated the monster with a growl of pleasure. End of chapter 45